In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, 49 years ago, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that it was a constitutional right for a woman to end the life of her own baby. And for 49 years, our nation has slaughtered and dismembered infants in the womb, murdering an estimated 63 million babies and counting before they could see the light of day, whose blood cried out to heaven for justice. And two days ago, on Friday, June 24th, on the feast of the birth of John the Baptist, God answered our prayers and caused the Supreme Court to overrule what was decided all those years ago. And, he has, uh, and it has been officially declared that the violent murder of infants is no longer a constitutional right. And we have prayed for this personally in our own prayers. We have prayed for this as a church here at Zion. And we should be overjoyed at this. God has heard our prayer and granted it. This is a victory for anyone who bears the name Christian, anyone who, who uh, calls themselves a son of God, a child of God. Those who rule over us have made it now more difficult for mothers to carry out their psychotic hatred against innocent little children. And this is a day that we have longed for, a day we never, we never thought we would see in our lifetime, and yet God in his wisdom chose to grant it. So to God alone be praise and glory forever on this. Amen. Now, I, I don't want to take anything away from this victory or joy or diminish the significance of it. But I want you to understand something. That the Supreme Court didn't outlaw abortion. The Supreme Court simply ruled for each one of the 50 states to determine the legality of abortion for itself. In many states, abortion is still legal. But in many states, it's now uh, illegal. That means in some states, children are safe, and in some, they're not. And there's nothing that prevents a mother from traveling out of one state to murder her child in another. This ruling... I want you to understand, hasn't caused a division in our country. It has simply revealed the deep divisions that we've already had. Each state will determine the fate of their children, which is a double-edged sword. Some states will ban it altogether, thanks be to God. But others will not only allow abortion, but may soon very well permit even more demonic atrocities toward children and will push for maybe nine months to after-birth abortions, things like this. So as great as this Supreme Court ruling is, and it's remarkable, this is the, one of the most important days in our history, we also can't afford to be complacent now. We can't afford to wash our hands clean and become apathetic so this victory, as great as it, as it is, will be short-lived, in fact. Because even though this wickedness is banished in one way, it doesn't mean it won't come back in another way. If it's banished in one place, it's going to come up in another place. The world had, completely hates what we have done. They, they hate what we have prayed for and longed for and supported. 
which is that a child would be born. And they will come back, mark my words, with a vengeance. In fact, it's happening already. Those who support the killing of babies cry out in agony and threaten those who oppose them or disagree with them, attacking them on social media, in person, and so on, in jobs and employment. They protest in the streets. They disrupt church services. They scream curses and profanities. They terrorize homes and businesses. They vandalize places that say a baby is a human being that deserves to live. In addition to that, you've seen the world dedicate an entire month to be proud of shameful things. And men dressed as women dancing in front of little children. As public schools indoctrinate children and entertainment companies groom children into perversion and into sodomy. In fact, merely hours after the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade, uh, the Walt Disney Company announced that it would cover travel expenses for employees seeking an abortion. It would pay for it. Pay for them to get there, get it done, and come back. Pretend like nothing happened. Th this started a trend for many other major companies too. Meanwhile, a dear member of our own church here at Zion, who used to work for Disney, uh, was never given enough time or space to even feed her own child. In other words, they're more willing to spend time and money to help a mother end the life of her child than to help that same mother keep that child alive. Also this week, Chris Evans, the actor best known for playing uh, Captain America in the Marvel movies, criticized those who boycotted the new Buzz Lightyear movie for including a scene with homosexuality. <clears throat> this is what he said. He said, the real truth is that those people are idiots. There's always going to be people who are afraid and unaware and trying to hold on to what was before. But those people die off like dinosaurs. He's talking about us. He's talking about you. We are the idiots. We are the dinosaurs who will die off in his mind. Now, I, I could go on, but these things and worse things are yet to come, and they always do. I don't know when, but sin never really goes away in this life. If we gain an inch in the world, we have to be prepared for the world uh, to take a mile from us. They won't rest until they get revenge. There's a proverb, and of them, this proverb is true. This is Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, starting at verse 16, it says this. They cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They're robbed of sleep until they make someone stumble and fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. In fact, when you, when you see all this anger and indignation against God and his people, I want you to remember what the epistle lesson said today, what John wrote there so long ago in 1 John chapter 3. He wrote these words. He says, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. The world hates you. For, for you to really understand this, you need to read the previous verse and in the previous verse, John recounts the historical account of Cain and Abel, the first children born of a woman in this world. 
Years after Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel, Cain worked the soil. Uh, Abel was a shepherd. Both Cain and Abel gave an offering to the Lord, but God accepted Abel's offering and he rejected Cain's offering. And it wasn't because Abel's offering was the best he could give or it was, it was costly or anything like this. It was because he gave it in true faith. This is what Hebrews 11 says. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice by faith than Cain. Which Abel was commended as righteous. Well, after that, Cain, when he saw this, became envious. And he slew his own brother. He killed him. He murdered him. And God asked Cain, where is your brother Abel? Did, did God know where Abel was? Yeah. Why did he ask? He asked to give him the chance to confess it, to repent. But he says, where is your brother Abel? What have you done? Where your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And this is what John refers to in the lesson today. In verse 12, before that verse, he says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one that is of the devil. And what did he do? He murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. And the verse that follows then says, so don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. So do you see what he's saying? The reason the world hates you is the same exact reason Cain hated Abel. It's because the world's deeds are evil and yours are righteous. And they cannot stand it. This is what the scriptures say. If this is how people acted at the beginning of the world, the first people born to a woman, if this is how they acted in the beginning of the world, don't be surprised that they're still acting this way now. Nothing has changed. Nothing has improved. Cain hated Abel because he did what is good and right. And the world hates the church because she proclaims what is good and right. That is the reason. Think about it. What is the only organization left on the face of the planet that tells men to be men, women to be women, telling men to love their wives as Christ loves the church, tells husbands not to be harsh with their wives, tells fathers not to exasperate their children, tells women to respect their husbands, tells women that their highest calling in this life is to be a mother, that tells them to love their children and teach them well. Who are the only ones fighting against divorce, the destruction of the family, fighting for marriage, telling husbands and wives to repent and forgive one another? Who, where's the only voice left in the world saying that all people are equally sinful before God and equally died for by Jesus, no matter what language, color, ethnicity, or sex, or age? Who are the only people left saying that children are a blessing? from God Almighty, that babies are worth protecting and deserve to live the life God gave them? What is the only place on this earth that preaches that we have peace with God, not through our works, but through the holy and precious blood of Jesus himself, who desires everyone to be saved? And yet, how does the world receive those words? How do they consider us? How do they look at us? What names do they call us? They resent us. They wish we didn't exist, that we stayed quiet, that the words would go away. 
So we shouldn't be surprised because we're not the only Christians who have gone through this or who will go through this in the coming years. Our dear brothers before us suffered greater things. But more than that, we shouldn't be surprised because the, 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 the same world treated Jesus in the same way. John 3.19 says this, The light, that is the Son of God, has come into the world, and the world loved, what? The darkness, rather than the light, because their works were evil. Because everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. Again, in John chapter 15, Jesus says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will treat you this way on account of my name. The Christian is not above his Christ and the disciple not above his master. So we shouldn't be surprised that the world's against us, that it hates us, that it seeks to destroy what the church says, that the church gathers together. They just don't want to hear it. Uh, just as, as an aside here, I think this is why the world is so loud and boisterous and belligerent about these things. Because deep down, they know that what they're doing is wrong. And that their own consciences, their own hearts are bearing testimony against them. So they, they're trying, in other words, they're trying to drown out the sound of their own conscience that accuses them. They want to silence anyone who speaks in agreement with the truth of natural law or their conscience or whatever is left of it. So this is why also I suggest to you, that they're going after your children. They want to create a world that approves of what they do because their own consciences don't approve of what they do. So they seek this approval on the outside because they don't have that approval on the inside. Their own consciences bear witness against them. Uh, okay, back to the sermon. Uh, this, is a, <laughs> this is a deep chasm. Uh, between uh, us and the world. That they, they simply just don't want to hear this. By the way, if you find that you haven't had any persecution, uh, there, there's this great chasm between uh, the church and the world. But if you find that you haven't had any persecution or pushback from the world or anger from the world whatsoever, it's not that the world likes you. It's maybe that you've been a little too quiet. It's maybe that you haven't spoken up enough or confessed this before the ears of men. But the moment you speak up, mark my words, you will be. You will be ostracized and met with disdain in some degree. When you see persecution, anger, violence, vandalism, it shouldn't surprise you. But I want to get to the point that is surprising that Jesus says. There is something that should surprise you. What is surprising is not that we will face persecution. What is surprising is what Jesus tells you to do when you face it. In the last beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are you, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And here it is. He says, Rejoice and be glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So how do we do this? How do we be glad? How can we be glad and happy when 10,000 come against us? 
Well, you do this by looking at the example of the apostles. As the apostles proclaimed the truth in Jerusalem, they were arrested, they were imprisoned. This is in Acts chapter 5. They were told by the high priest, they were scolded by him. They said, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name, in the name of Jesus. And yet here you are, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Now everybody's talking about this. And the apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. And when the council heard this, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. But instead, they decided to beat them with sticks, to bruise them and injure their flesh in in, in the most painful way, and then let them go their way. And then the Bible says this, that after they were beaten, what did the disciples do? What What did those apostles do? It says, the apostles left the presence of the council, bruised and beaten and bloody, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Dear saints, don't be surprised that the world hates you. Don't be surprised that they hate what we say. Rejoice that you share in the sufferings of Christ. The reason the world doesn't suffer for his name is because they're not his. But you are. And God has counted you worthy to suffer for his name. I I know this is a heavy cross to carry, but Christ has not only given you the cross to carry, but he will also give you the strength to carry it. And that strength comes only through the forgiveness of your sins, having a good and clean conscience, only knowing that God has forgiven you freely and fully in Christ, that he has taken away the, the sting of death. As you suffer, you suffer only with a good conscience. Even though you're lowly and despised in this world, you are highly esteemed by God, thought well of by the angels in heaven. So I'm not sure what the days will bring or what the backlash will be. We may see improvement and we'll thank God for that. We may see it get get worse and still we'll, we'll rejoice. But as things play out, you can rejoice in the small victories that we see in this life. And that's a good thing. But you are to rejoice more and always that your name is written in the book of life with the ink of Jesus' blood. Rejoice that this world, no matter what they take away from you, cannot take the peace that Christ gives you, the peace of God's favor upon you. So don't cling to this world or be conformed to it because everything in it is passing away. You don't belong to this world any more than Jesus did. So take his words to heart when Jesus says, don't fear what you're about to suffer. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. Who clings with resolution to him whom Satan hates must look for persecution, for him the burden waits. Of mockery, shame, and losses heaped on his blameless head, a thousand plagues and crosses will be his daily bread. From me this is not hidden, yet I am not afraid. I leave my cares as bidden to whom my vows were paid. Though life from me be taken and everything I own, I trust in you unshaken and cleave to you alone. My heart with joy is springing, I am no longer sad. My soul is filled with singing, your sunshine makes me glad.
The sun that cheers my spirit is Jesus Christ, my King. The heaven I shall inherit makes me rejoice and sing. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.